Milwaukee United Church of Christ presents Called to Speak and to Hear The Reflection for Pentecost by the Rev. Jean Randall Bodman Presented on Sunday, May 28, 2023 When God began to create the heavens and the earth The earth was complete chaos And darkness covered the face of the deep While a wind from God swept over the face of the waters Then God said, let there be light And there was light In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Please pray with me. Holy One, giver of existence, guard and guide my small words and the words in all our hearts and minds, that they may lead us in paths that are generous, just, and true. Amen. God created by God's word. God became, God became the word made flesh to fill us with narratives that give life. And then God filled the disciples with words to cross human boundaries. It happened just as we hear it every year on Pentecost. The disciples were in Jerusalem to celebrate that Jewish feast of Pentecost the first fruits festival that happened 50 days after Passover. And they were there because Jesus had told them to wait in Jerusalem until God's promise would be fulfilled. So there they were, waiting. And into that waiting came an event that Luke describes in fantastical terms. Wild rushing wind, tongues of fire, bold preaching, mass baptism. It challenges our imaginations, and it tempts us either to ignore the event event as a fantasy or to treat it with nostalgia, pointing to that outpouring of the Spirit as the, quote, birthday of the church, a thing that happened once and we're still riding on it. But at its heart, the Pentecost story is not about the spectacle and the drama though those are fun. It's about the Holy Spirit transforming ordinary, imperfect, and quite frightened people into the body of Christ, turning them into a church filled with power to carry on, not just their mission, not a subservient secondary ministry, but the very same ministry that Jesus himself inaugurated. As New Testament scholar Matt Skinner pointed out in a recent podcast, the church-founding Pentecost event that happened during the Jewish celebration in Jerusalem was spectacular, but not singular. Not even in the book of Acts. In the book of Acts, Pentecost is a recurrent event. There are multiple Pentecosts. Times when God breaks in through the Spirit and either sets the church on a new course or gives the church a new discovery and new words. Every now and then, the Spirit will show up throughout the narrative of the book of Acts and create a bit of chaos or wonder or a new opportunity. 
The day we celebrate was the first of many Pentecost moments, both in the text and down through Christian history. Even now, when we believe and affirm and trust in the God who is still speaking, Pentecosts happen again and again. This is both an inspiring and very daunting thought, especially in the light of church history and all that has gone gravely, horribly wrong. And yet, Pentecost comes again and again to us. And it is about God disrupting and disorienting our ways of engaging the sacred so that something new and holy can be born within us and among us. It's about the spirit coming into us and carrying us out, out of our suspicion and our tribalism and our fear, and enabling us to cross over into new languages and new peoples. It's enabling us to engage with God and our neighbors in new ways. On that first Pentecost, the wind and the fire were not the point, but a reflection of the power that Jesus' followers received. It was an expression of that power. The very first way that power was manifested in their lives was in the ability to speak new languages. And this wasn't a neat party trick. It was a gift. It was the gift of a tool that was given to them so that the crowds who had gathered in Jerusalem from all over the diaspora for the pilgrimage festival of Pentecost could understand. Jews didn't just live in the land that we think of as Palestine, Israel. They were already spread all over the world. And part of their religious tradition was that three times a year, there were pilgrimage festivals and they would go up to, because it was on a hill, they would go up to Jerusalem to celebrate those festivals. Pentecost was one of them. And so the city was full of people speaking many languages. So this gift was given so that Jesus' followers them, this gift was given so that Jesus' followers could reach those others, and also so that Jesus' followers could understand more deeply themselves that the news of the kingdom of God, the news of God's beloved community, was meant for everyone. The gift was for those who received the language, and the gift was for those who spoke the languages. As Peter announced, it was a fulfillment of the words given by God to the prophet Joel. In the last days, it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. Every age, gender, and social condition, those who speak every language, on all, all flesh, the Spirit will pour out. And it's not just a small little cupful, not a polite little dipping like we do at our baptisms. The Spirit will gush and spill out. That's the language of the verb in the text. This is not a story for nostalgia about a past event that is interesting and intriguing 
and a little bit odd. It's a story of present and future promise. This is a story about you and me and here and now and what language the Spirit may be calling us to learn, to listen for in the world, and to learn. What is the Spirit calling us to learn anew about the expansiveness of God's love so that we can give the gift of speaking in another's native language, using their jargon, listening to their music, understanding their tempo, tasting their cuisine. The Spirit gives us language. I'm reminded when I read this text every year of a scene in The Miracle on 34th Street. I know that's a little bit sentimental, but it's the scene when there's a little girl who had been orphaned by World War II. She was Dutch-speaking, and she was adopted by a family, also Dutch-speaking, but living in New York, and her mother took her to speak Santa Claus. And her face was full of sorrow and worry because she was sure Santa Claus would not understand her and she wouldn't get her, meet, her needs met. And Santa Claus reaches out and speaks to her in Dutch. And the light in the little girl's face, that's the point in the movie where I am moved to tears every year. Because she is understood, someone can speak to her. The Reverend Debbie Thomas reflected recently that languages carry the full weight of their respective cultures. They carry with them the histories and the psychologies and the spiritualities of the people who use them. It isn't simply a matter of one word filling in for another word in a different language. The way we use language is different. The, the way the sentences fall, the way they're constructed, so much is captured in a language. To speak one language as opposed to another is to orient oneself differently in the world, to see differently, to hear differently, to process and punctuate reality differently. To speak across barriers of race or ethnicity or gender, to speak across religion or culture or politics is to challenge stereotypes and to risk ridicule. To attempt one language as opposed to another, to attempt a language that is not your native language, is to make oneself a learner and almost a servant and a supplicant. You become open and vulnerable when you try out a new language. It's a brave and disorienting act to try to reach someone in the language that is their native language, even when it isn't your own. She goes on to wonder, has there ever been a time when we've needed such a brave border-crossing act more acutely than we do right now? As the world grows more and more tribal, as nations, cities, and even faith communities turn on each other out of suspicion and selfishness, can it be that God desires to pour out the Holy Spirit on us so that we might learn anew and life-giving way, we might learn new and life-giving ways of being the church, being the body of Christ, being love incarnate, not for ourselves, but for the world, for a world that is right now frightened and imperiled. What languages do we need to speak right now that we've never spoken before? Where does the fire need to fall to burn away 
all that hinders us from being bearers of God's good news in this dark time. The words and languages unleashed at Pentecost required surrender and humility on both sides. Those who spoke had to be brave and step outside their comfort zone, daring to get it wrong and hoping to get it right. They had to risk vulnerability in the face of difference, and they had to do so with no guarantee that their hearers were going to welcome them. They had to trust that no matter how awkward or inadequate or silly they felt, the words that were bubbling up inside of them, new words, were nevertheless essential words, words precisely ordained for that time and place. Meanwhile, the crowds who listened also had to take risks. They had to suspend their disbelief. They had to drop their defenses and opt for wonder instead of contempt at the speaker's efforts. They had to widen their inner circle of welcome also to welcome people who spoke with an accent and maybe didn't get all of the verb tenses perfectly correct. Obviously, not all of them managed it. Some of them sneered and thought it was a case of uh, early morning drinking. But even in that atmosphere of suspicion and cynicism, some people spoke and some people listened. And into those astonishing exchanges, God breathed new life. Something happens when we speak each other's languages. We experience the limits of our own words and perspectives. We learn curiosity. We discover that God's great deeds are far too nuanced for a single tongue and a single fluency. I hope that the Pentecost story compels us because it is a story for this time and this moment. And I wonder what other languages are afloat in our culture, even languages that are English but are foreign to us? What languages that we are being called to try to hear and speak, no matter how awkward and scary it might be? This is a silly example, but I remember years ago, my boys were playing lacrosse when they were in high school, and a friend of mine said to me, my grandson is playing lacrosse, he's just moved to town, I don't know him very well, and he's a teenager. I ask him a question and he gives me one-word answers, and I don't, know how to, I don't know how to participate with him. So I said, okay, let me ask you a few questions. When you watch him play, is his lacrosse stick this tall or this tall? Okay, it's the shorter one? Okay, now does he run across the whole field or does he stay on half of it? Just the half? Okay, he's an attackman. Here's what you're gonna do. Watch him carefully and if he scores a goal, I want you to go to him immediately after the game and say, wow, sick shot. And she said, what? <laughs> and I said, trust me, just trust me, try it. And she did. And she said, it was like magic. He heard me say six shot, and immediately he opened up and he said, yeah, did you see the way the midi fed it to me? I practiced that roll dodge behind the cage all week. She had no idea what he was talking about, but she was willing to learn. And because she had stepped towards him in the jargon of lacrosse players in high school, he stepped back towards her to share his life and his excitement with her. I think about that a lot. I think about what it feels like to have someone willing to enter into the language that is native to you and offer themselves.
And I wonder about the communities that might be inviting us to learn their language, even if it's scary. I wonder what the Spirit is calling us as a church to be open to. I wonder about new words like cisgender and transgender and non-binary and genderqueer and queer and bisexual and asexual and pansexual and same gender loving and most importantly, ally. And I wonder what would it mean if we spent some time learning what those words mean and how we can offer to be fluent in them so that someone for whom those words are necessary feels welcomed and affirmed in our spaces. What will we learn from them and what will we be able to share with them if we learn the language? And I think about the language of our country's racial history, language that is being banned in some states right now. The language of history and the long, right, long fight for civil rights and the call for justice. I wonder what would, it, what would it mean if we stopped and learned the language of that fight, learned the names of the people, not just the, not just the top tier names, but the names of people who went first in that long fight. What would it mean if we listened to the music? Not to, not to, to borrow it necessarily, just to know it, just to experience it. What would it mean that we could, if we could listen better to language that's just outside our comfort zone. And maybe the hardest of all for me, I wonder about listening to the language of evangelical Christians. I wonder what it would mean to them if we understood the way that they use some of the same language we use. If we could learn from them, because we don't have all of the answers, and they don't have all of the answers, but right now, we can't even listen to each other. I wonder what it would mean if we listened to their language and tried to understand what it meant to them. I wondered if we, if we could be open to learning from that part of the Christian tradition, and if that would enable us to be able to speak with power and love into that tradition, the prophetic words from the Spirit that we are receiving, words of welcome and generosity and inclusion. I think that this is how the church can continue to serve the world in this moment of crisis through which we are living. A moment when a, there is a great threat both to the country and to the church coming from Christian nationalism and, and autocracy. The call is not just to those of us who stand in pulpits or write on blogs. The call is to all of us to become fluent in new languages and to speak prophetically and lovingly. By speaking with love and calling people away from heresy, blasphemy, and idolatry of Christian nationalism and into the gospel of a loving Jesus and a vision of Christianity that is generous and just expansive and freeing. So come again, Holy Spirit, come again and teach us how to pay life-giving attention to all of the languages around us. Come again, Holy Spirit, and teach us how to cry out for justice. Come, Holy Spirit, into our moment of chaos. Fill us with your life-giving spirit. Teach us to listen, empower us to speak, 
Create your church again for this time, in this moment. And let the people say, Amen.